Welcome to the Champions of Change podcast from Capital One. My name is Sonia Barlow. I'm an award-winning diversity and business coach, motivational speaker, and founder of the LMF Network. And in this series, I'll be chatting with the engineers, managers, and directors who are redefining what it means to be a woman in tech. Today's episode is about where our women in tech have seen representation change over time and what businesses can do to attract women into tech roles. I'm joined by Rana Christopher, who is a recruiter at Capital One, Kaj Bansal, who's a technical program manager, and Renka Puja, a software engineer. Thank you so much for joining us. According to a women in tech study in 2019, 81% of the workforce believe that the technology industry would benefit from having gender equal workforce. Alongside that, it was revealed that over 60% of women agreed that there is a gender pay gap in the tech sector with males earning higher salary, whereas only 8% believed it to be equal. And so I am asking the companies around me, why should I work for you? And what are you going to do to support my path in growth? Rana, as a tech recruiter and as somebody that is supporting representation through the pipeline, what do you think companies can be doing and doing better? I think first and foremost, companies need to be focusing more on creating visibility around representation in their organisations already. And also focusing on the language that they are using to attract candidates I think when we talk about pathways into tech, we often disregard the importance that job descriptions play in attracting that talent, uh, especially when it comes to passive talent. Um, And that is something that is overlooked, disregarded and carries so much weight, even when we're not actively looking for that talent. So I think looking at what we've got to offer, not just through having gender balanced adverts that are optimised for all sorts of digital accessibility, but also looking at what programmes we've got active to attract talent into tech. That's not just focusing on returners into tech, not just internships and graduates, because that's where certain schemes tend to stop, but actually looking at career changer programs, um, offering that step in and step aside um, access as well. Thank you so much for sharing. And one of the points that you've made, which I love, is the language and the inclusivity of language. As someone who is doing the hiring and recruitment in a tech firm, do you consider yourself a woman in tech Or is that something which you are constantly battling with? And the only reason I ask is because I can appreciate and I've been in situations where we tend to think of women in tech as those who are literally doing the technical work. And yet you have the knowledge, the understanding, the the enabling factor as a woman in tech. And so I'd love to understand, do you regard yourself as a woman in tech? And if so, what does that mean for you and your identity in the workplace? I think it's, I'm battling with it, I would say. So I don't regard myself as a woman in tech, yet some of the conversations I have are incredibly technical, um, especially when I'm taking briefs from managers when I'm hiring. And I always get feedback that I understand things to quite a deep um, level, especially when it comes to tech. 
but I don't always regard myself as a woman tech, but you're right. It's such a, such a, a weird line that I tread where I feel like I've got one foot in and one foot not. So where do I actually stand? And I think if I had to look at it, how I feel right now is I don't see myself as a woman in tech, but if I was looking in, I would say, yeah, definitely a woman in tech. Yeah. And such an interesting perspective. And what it really plays on is this definition of what it means for a woman in tech for yourself as an individual, what companies are addressing or activating when they say woman in tech and then society in regards to, well, you can only be a woman in tech if you've chosen this path or that path or you've come through a specific stream. Renka, what about yourself? What does it mean to a woman in tech for yourself? And is that even a title or an identity that you would give to yourself in conversation? It's an interesting, interesting point. I think if I thought about it, I think I would identify myself as a woman in tech. But I feel like that's just probably a small part of my identity. Um, there's, there's so much more to it than just that. So coming from, I guess, like a non-technical background, um, when I first came into it and I heard about women in technology, I was like, is this that a thing? Or what's involved in this? What do I do with it? How can I learn more about it? Um, and as I got to go, get a little bit more involved in societies and just like hearing about stuff and going to conferences, that's where I felt so much more empowered and proud to be a woman in technology. So like recently, for example, um, at a conference and we were talking about like how like we've got like a problem it's like the peak I think it's a peak problem where we've got like more CEOs called peak than actual women CEOs I thought that is that is actually insane and just hearing like the passion and like the drive women have to get more women into technology and seeing their path I thought you know what like I'm actually so proud to be part of this industry and hopefully I can try and like try and drive some of that like in the future be able to do a talk at a conference or maybe even this podcast and just help someone think actually maybe I could go into technology um but for me the biggest problem is figuring out what is a career in technology because it's so broad like like myself Cad and Rana we're all in tech but we all do so like we do really different things in technology so it's trying to figure out what what is that yeah so why don't you give us an overview what is it you do in technology and if you could just summarize what does your day-to-day role look like and I guess this third question to that is what are the skills you're actually using because I think a lot of it we focus on here's what the job job description is saying and here's what the company is doing but we don't necessarily focus on the skills that we actually need either to enter the workspace or to transition into tech as Rana was mentioning previously. Yeah, um, so I'll start off with what I actually do. So I'm a software quality engineer. So that might sound quite alien to people, like, what, what is she doing? Um, so essentially what I do is I, I get the code that um, developers developed and I'll write some sort of code that we, um, we have, like, automated and it would run against the developed code and we just test out that it works both functionally and physically. Um, so but that, sound, that might sound boring, like, oh, God, that doesn't sound really interesting, but there is, like, so many interesting parts to it. Um, and on a like, day-to-day basis, it is literally just writing like test cases out um, or being at a lot of meetings. I think that's one thing about code which I thought was so different to how I thought it was going to be. In a lot of movies, you'll just see like like hackers sitting there and just coding away on the laptops and they're there endlessly for hours, but it is completely different to that. We, we as a team, we work so well together. Like We work so well together. We have so many meetings. Um, we have a lot of social and fun time together, which you just don't see and don't hear about. Um, and it's a lot of just like planning and figuring out, figuring out what are our next steps? How are we going to 
develop this product? How are we going to test this? How does it work with the back-end services team? What do product want? What does design want? So it isn't just you sitting there at a laptop and just like just coding away all day. So in terms of skills, um, again, a really interesting question. Um, and I really like this question because coming from a non-technical background, so I studied maths at the university and when people hear that, they're like, oh, well, you studied maths, like surely you know a little bit about computer science. No, absolutely nothing. Like I did one module in my first year, it was MATLAB. Um, it was my first year. I was, you know, in the freshest sort of zone. I didn't really enjoy it. And I was like, oh, I'm not coming back to computer science. And I didn't really know anything about computer science to try and pursue it. Um, so when it came to tech and coding, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. Like, I don't know any languages. I don't know Java, JavaScript. I don't have to develop. No way I can, like, do, do a career with this. Like, it's just not happening. Um, and next thing you know, like, I ended up learning JavaScript. And that's more about, like, I guess, the drive and, like, um, being open to wanting to learn new things. I feel like that's really important. Um, to the technology, it's always changing. There's always a new tool out there. Um, and just being just being open enough to want to be able to learn it. Um, I think the other side of it is definitely, sounds cliche, but problem solving. Like, there's always something that's not working or something that's, like, broken or something that needs figuring out to develop, for example. There's always a problem there and just try having the willingness to stick with it and, and try and figure, figure it out. Yeah, thank you so much. It's so interesting when we go into the skills and what we do day to day. Um, just because I know from experience and from conversations that young girls, especially when they're looking into these roles, they get really confused by what the titles are. It's not like, you know, you're not taught titles in school. Catch, what about yourself? I mean, Renka made a great point that she has seen representation through movies and it's not really how it is in real life. What about yourself? What are the biggest challenges and changes you've seen when it comes to representation, especially as a brown woman who is working in the tech industry? Yeah, so for me, um, when I first joined tech, which was about seven years ago, um, I was acutely aware of being the only woman of colour around a table in a typical meeting. That, that was really normal. Um, and over the years, um, what's been really refreshing is seeing how that's evolved um, there are more, you know, like the, the positive side of this is there are more women starting to come in through those uh, early career pipelines that we have set up, um, you know, internships, grad programs, um, that kind of thing. Um, I, I think there's probably still some way to go in the kind of uh, women in colour space. Um, it is improving, but I think there's, there's still a lot of work to do there. Um, I'm really excited about what that landscape is going to look like as we move forward. Do you have any predictions? Do you want to do you want to maybe predict something out loud and we'll come back to this podcast in a few years and see if if it <laughs> if it worked? I mean, um really really bold um and really personal, but like I, you know, from my organization, um I really want to be the first woman of color at a certain level. Um and I've mm. quite openly declared that. Um so yeah, that, that's kind of a not a prediction, but a, a bold aspiration, I guess. I love that. And we'll make sure we'll come back and, and hopefully that is what is going to happen. Rana, you touched on a really key note earlier on where you spoke about the different pathways, but also transitioning into tech. And if we combine that with Renko was saying about skills, I guess my question comes in twofold. One is, what are the skills you actually need to be in technology? Because I believe that 
there's a mismatch or a misalignment between what we think is technology versus what recruiters or hiring managers are looking for. And then my second question is, how important is it that those who are interviewing candidates understand what is happening in their roles and that they are diverse themselves? Because we have a lot of research and data right now that shows and suggests that representation matters even at an interview stage because you want to be able to see who may be working with and or you want to feel like they kind of understand you especially when we're thinking about quote unquote bringing our whole selves to work how can I bring my whole self to work if I don't see anybody else that looks like me because then that's not just bringing my whole self to work but it's also being having to educate others on what that means exactly I think Going to your first question, what skills do we need? The biggest skill that we need, especially when I'm recruiting for tech roles now, is the ability to have a conversation and form connections because that stakeholder management piece is key for pretty much every role across every level that I'm recruiting, which is not what we get told at school. It's not what we get told at university. The ability to build and nurture relationships and network across your own business and leverage support is I think such a key key piece to every role and being able to be successful in that role. Um, I think especially candidates of colour bear an extra responsibility that any organisation they're coming to, they're almost expected to, like we've said, be agents of cultural change and be in a response in a role where they have the responsibility to educate their their colleagues. But actually if we take that step back and we can offset what we're doing at the recruitment level. So, you know, diversity in panels is really, really important. And I will never put a candidate of colour through to an interview if I know that the panel is not diverse. And I'm not saying to to pluck up a black colleague who is a HR administrator and stick them in a panel for a senior director. I also push push for people from external organizations to come and sit on our interview panels just so that they can add their level of experience to that panel because it all has to be relative right we're not you know I'm not like I said not saying that any old person can come and join the interview panel we want to be as as equal as possible in that responsibility and I think going back to sort of that recruitment piece again it's really important for managers to understand where they have been going wrong. Because if you carry on doing something, you know, we talk about the Einstein, you know, talking about insanity and all of that, but we expect change. However, we don't want to change. And it's so important for me to challenge and educate managers on that all the time. And sometimes there is resistance because we think that just because we're asking managers to change, we're asking them to lower their standards, but actually not, we're not asking them to do that at all. We're asking them to widen their funnel and to look at other skills. For example, recruiting for BA roles, not just in this organization, other organizations as well, tends to be a very mathematical role, but actually the, the test or the skill required to get into that role, um, is so high actually candidates don't need that level of maths under their belt it could be a lot lower and actually looking at all of those assessments and seeing if they're fit for purpose you know we're not just using them to wean out what we think are candidates not meeting the bar and it's changing that mentality um and again lastly it's educating managers as well on how to sell 
that opportunity, how to bring their authentic self to that interview. So that encourages the candidate to do the same. And lastly, supporting especially candidates of colour through that process. You know, do they need extra coaching? Do they need extra support? And by that, I mean, I'm not offering the same to white male candidates. What I'm saying is that there's elements of imposter syndrome. They might have had a bad experience, you know, understanding why they're looking for the next role so I can make sure that them coming to our organisation is the right transition for them as well as our organisation. Yeah, I love that. And it really is about fostering that inclusive relationship and make sure that it co- it's coming from both sides. Something that I was reminded of as you spoke is the new generation of workers, especially those that are new talent um, coming out of university or in schools. They're looking for companies that are authentic, that are transparent, that are value-led. But something that you touched on, and we've, we've very briefly touched on whilst we've been conversing, is culture. You know, the new generation of workers, they don't want to come into a business or a tech company that's giving us pool tables and beanbags. Like we're over that. That was very 2000s. We want milk that's inclusive for everyone. We want networking opportunities that doesn't just mean, hey, go to the pub or stay out late. From a cultural standpoint, as someone who identifies as Pakistani, I know when I entered the workplace, I had to really educate my own parents, my own family on what it meant. And even today I get the comment of, well, you could still be a lawyer. I'm like, but I, but I, I, I run a business in the tech industry. No, that's fine. That's fine. So you know how to fix our computer or like when a mobile phone gets broken. You know, my grandparents call me straight away. Oh, our IT isn't working. Can you fix it? I'm like, I don't necessarily do IT. And that's not what we do just in technology, but I completely appreciate the sentiment. So Kaj, I'd love to ask you, did you have any resistance when you were entering the workspace in the tech industry? And if so, how can we encourage young especially people of color to to enter the workplace because you spoke so highly about being that role model or being that kind of you know change maker and champion of change yeah I think um in terms of resistance um I was really fortunate I never got any direct resistance from my family um I'd probably still say that even after all these years they don't really appreciate what I do um you know in their mind I'm not a doctor or a lawyer or a traditional engineer um, and so like, what else, what else is there? Like what, what other options are there? Um, so I've never really had any direct resistance on that front. Um, but I'd ha- probably question whether I've had some kind of active advocacy, uh, as well. And, and similarly, like I've been in previous roles in previous teams, um, sat with, um, white men, um, and, you know, me quite openly saying that I would like to join tech and them kind of having a bit of banter and thinking, well, like you, why, why would you join tech? Like, you're not technical. Like, h- how can you do that? Um, and like, actually what that did was just fuel me on even more. Like, if someone says I can't do it, I'll do it. Yeah. And thank you so much for sharing that story. Similarly to Rana's point, what I believe you've both touched on is that fact that whilst you have the confidence there are people and institutions around you that are dismissive they are constantly telling you that you cannot be that you cannot see and that you are an imposter even if you fall into these spaces and so I feel like there is also a a power battle here who has the power who has the privilege who has that perspective that we need to change I remember in my last tech company I was doing a side of a desk job to 
be a co-chair on the Women's Network to host an event for young students in the workplace who wanted to enter tech and often felt that this was more than side of a desk. It was taking more time, but I was extremely passionate about it. But companies just weren't focused on really, how do I say this, um, accommodating their people or reimbursing their people. And one of the reasons as to why I stepped back was because as a woman of color, I thought it's not my responsibility to make sure your organization is inclusive. I can support you. I can keep you accountable, but it shouldn't just fall on me. Kaj, you were speaking about your internal business resource group. Do you mind sharing how you've been able to transform your role, supporting these initiatives, but also how being a part of this group has helped you to progress um, in ways that maybe I wasn't able to, but definitely those listening can can take on and encourage their people to do so. Yeah, sure. So um, I take an active role in the REACH BRG. Um, so REACH stands for um, Race, Equality and Cultural Heritage. Um, and so um, I get involved in, um, you know, organising cultural events, um, organising guest speakers, um, for, for example, Black History Month last year, um, and events like that. And I think it's it's super important um, to have these networks in, in the workplace. It gives people um, a sense of belonging, um, an anchor, if you like, because we are all different. We do all have different backgrounds. Um, and if you have somewhere to come together um, to build a community, um, I think that can only help you be more effective in the workplace. Um, you mentioned side of desk. Um, so um, I've been really fortunate in that I have been encouraged to include that work as part of my annual objectives. Um, and what that does is it motivates me to give um, give 100% um, into, you know, put, putting all my energy into making sure that that um, is working for our workforce um, as much as it is for me personally. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And may I ask your desire to be a part of this group, did that come from you yourself individually or was that something that was recommended by one of your managers or were you kind of in the spotlight to be like all right you as Kaj who is a woman of color we'd love for you to get involved because of your xyz experiences yeah it was um purely um purely me so um when the network was setting up um an email went around and it's the f- the first thing I did was kind of put my hand up and say I, I need to be involved in this um mm-hmm. I have experience I'm a woman of colour in tech there is something I can add here Um, and in a world where we lack that kind of role model um, you know there aren't many people that look like me Um, if I can be someone for someone else to to look up to and say hey you look like me um, then that's got to help. Such great advice that you will have shared so thank you so much if you are an individual considering how can I use my perspective, how can I use my position to support representation, encourage diversity in technology, it's go to schools and share your story. Start conversations, not with the fact that women aren't doing something, but encouraging them on how they can do something, be that progression, negotiation, changing perspectives. Focus on alternative pathways to education and most importantly, become that role model to increase representation. And if you're a company considering how can I encourage more representation to tech and how can I really diversify the talent pool, 
I mean, Rana shared some great suggestions. One, think about the gendered language that you are using. Two, always focus on it being a two-way relationship. It's not good enough just thinking you're going to work for us. It's what can we offer you? What do you need in terms of support? Are we the right company for you and your future needs or desires? Encourage a diversity of panel, especially in the interview round. And if you don't have the individuals internally, work with external interviewers. I believe what this conversation has shown us is that regardless of our experience, regardless of how we've entered the workplace, technology is a great place for a woman of colour to be, to thrive, to progress. But it very much is about how we share our experiences and encourage others to spotlight our stories and show how we've overcome the challenges because that's what has brought us all together. It's about acknowledging our identities are different. We're intersectional in our approach, but we can come together to really overcome those hurdles and flourish in the world of tech. So that's a wrap on this week's episode. There's still a lot of work to do, but I'm so glad that our panelists could come on today to support us with acknowledging what we can do as individuals and as companies. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. And to find out more, please visit jobs.capitalone.co.uk.